2009, Father's Day, I'm sitting in church, uh, it was Sunday morning, uh, at the time I was on staff at a church called Calvary Church, just up the Beltline, and uh, sitting through the service, uh, Pastor Jim, uh, he's a buddy of mine, uh, the pastor there, and, and uh, Jim was teaching a message out of 1 Corinthians, and he's kind of talking, he, he says at the beginning, like, Dad's it's not a specific like Father's Day message, but dads, why don't you just specifically uh, um, be available to something that God might want to say? So I'm like, all right, cool, I can do that. So he begins to teach on uh, this idea that we all have spiritual gifts, and we're supposed to be using our gifts to serve and build up the body of Christ. So I'm like, all right, that's cool, and, and I'm kind of grooving with him. <clears throat> As he's talking, I'm thinking to myself, though, all right, Lord, well, I mean, I'm a pastor. Like, you've given me the spiritual gift of teaching, the spiritual gift of leadership, uh, the spiritual gift of discernment. Like, those are kind of like probably my top three gifts, and, and, I, and I feel like I'm already using those for you. I mean, that's what I get to do as a pastor. It's like, awesome. So, kind of like, all right, God, I think I'm kind of like doing this already. So, good message, though. Like, there's other folks that are within the church that probably don't realize that, God, you've given them certain gifts, and the reason that you've given them those gifts is that they can actually then use them to serve the body, to build it up, to, to see your kingdom uh, uh, get revealed, okay? So, I'm like, this great thing, Lord. Like, bring it, Jim, you know? So, we, we get to kind of the end of the time, end of the message, Jim just says, hey, I want everybody to take about a minute. We're just going to sit in silence and see if there's something that God wants to say to you. Cool. So uh, we go into the silent time, and I've already been kind of, you know, having this kind of conversation in my head, like, all right, well, Lord, I'm like, I don't know what else I could do. So then I start trying to think about other stuff that, like, I can kind of do, like I do with some woodworking. So I'm like, all right, well, Lord, you need me to build your pulpit? You know, like, I'm like, we kind of already got one, so probably not. So, but I'm like, well, Lord, I do train police dogs. So I train protection dogs. Lord, do you need me to train a protection dog that's going to sit up on the stage and, like, you know, protect the, the, the preacher in case somebody rushes the stage? Because, Lord, I will do that. I will, I will, I will get you a protection. So I'm kind of sensing, like, God's not, like, down with the protection dog on the stage thing. So uh, uh, um, I'm sitting there, and uh, have you ever had a moment that was probably, like, five seconds in real time? but felt like 10 minutes in your head? If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd love for you to open up to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We're going to be looking at a story that Philip shares with us. And don't worry, I'll get back to the story in church. Somebody like, that was really abrupt. 
and I don't get what he was trying to say. There's a reason. Acts chapter 8. Now, we heard from Pastor, uh, or from Reverend uh, Ellis last week. Those of you that were here, uh, James brought it. Oh man, I love having different voices that our church has the privilege of being able to hear. I don't want you guys just hearing my voice all the time. Uh, I love the fact that God has given me the privilege of being one of the main teaching voices, but I do not want to be the only teaching voice. In fact, I hope that as our church uh, uh, continues to grow and age, that we'll actually have the privilege of hearing more and more. Uh, This is actually kind of cool. He's not here, so I can say this. Um, So I've quoted this guy a couple of times. Uh, Not, sorry, I just said that, but we're going to get to that in just a second. I've quoted, his name is Dr. Gary Burge. He's a New Testament scholar, uh, was at a school in in, uh, Chicago for the last like 20 years. He actually just took a position uh, here at Calvin Seminary, and uh, I started writing him and wound up having lunch with the dude. And he loves what we're about and loves what we're doing. Like he used to teach at Willow Creek, like that huge church over in Chicago, uh, like once a month. And he's actually going to come and teach for us twice uh, this fall. So we're going to do a series on the Bible. And he's actually going to come and do, uh, like one of them is going to be a Q&A, just like crazy hard questions about like why in the world does God seem so angry in the Old Testament? And if he's a God of peace, why are there so many like, terrible things that he seems to ask Israel to do. So uh, he's going to do like a Q&A time, which is going to be awesome. That, that's a whole other thing. But James last week was phenomenal and did a great job. And he actually talked about uh, what happened to uh, Stephen. Okay, Stephen gets stoned to death. And it was after the stoning of Stephen in the history of the church where the church um, begins to be persecuted majorly. In fact, it says a great persecution breaks out. And that sends people all over the world, basically. So at the time, the church is basically in Jerusalem. And because of that persecution, people get scattered all over. In fact, that's why uh, there's, a, there's a book of the Bible named James, named after James, who wrote it. He was the brother of Jesus. He was actually the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And when he writes his uh, text, the book of James, he actually says, this is to the 12 tribes, talking about Israel, they're the 12 tribes, scattered among the nations. Okay? The reason he says they're scattered among the nations is because he's writing uh, just a few years after this has broken out. And so folks have been scattered all over the place. And Stephen explains, or excuse me, Luke explains to us why this happens after Stephen's death and what God's actually trying to accomplish with it. So we find ourselves in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read a couple of verses and then we're going to jump in at verse 26. It said, those who had been scattered... Preach the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Now we jump to verse 26, which is up on the screen. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the south road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man, so this is like a powerful dude, okay? This cat, like... He's like a big deal. He oversees all of the riches for this kingdom, okay? He said, this man is, excuse me, had gone down to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. This also tells you that dude's mad rich, all right? Because not just anybody can acquire a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, 
all right? Like, this was back before we had printing presses, and, like, these were handwritten scrolls. They would have been very expensive to create, and you couldn't just, like, go to the local Baker Bookhouse and buy one, all right? Like, you, this was, like, a big deal. So he's got his own scroll of Scripture, and it says that on his way home, he's reading this, verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So this is Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, there's a couple of things in here that are important for us to learn that help us understand what Luke is doing when he shares this story. Now, remember, Luke is the guy who wrote the book of Acts. It's kind of like part two. So he wrote the book of Luke, which is kind of the, the story of Jesus' life and ministry up until his death and resurrection and ascension. And then Luke, then still writing to the same guy, a dude named Theophilus, he then has Acts, which is kind of the history from that point at the end of the Gospel of Luke up until uh, like through the, the early church, how it's born, etc. So Luke is wanting Theophilus to understand how the Gospel has spread because Jesus, remember what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said that uh, um, he would give power, okay, when the Spirit would come on them so that they could be his witnesses, witnesses to all that had happened in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this is Philip, or excuse me, uh, Luke actually explaining then how this is what Jesus said is happening. S stuff's going to the end of the earth now because of this persecution that broke out. All right. Not only that, but the fact that this Ethiopian is not Jewish, okay, he's a non-Jewish person, and the fact that he's not just Ethiopian, but he's a eunuch, all right, which if you're young and you're not sure what that means, you can ask your parents later, <laughs> uh, he couldn't actually become Jewish, okay? Because if you were of a different ethnicity and you wanted to become Jewish, you could actually then go and get circumcised, and you could kind of become uh, Jewish, almost like you became then ethnically Jewish, all right? Now, he is a non-Jew who cannot even become uh, a Jewish proselyte uh, because of his physical characteristics. You see, the reason that Luke puts this in is because God wants us to understand that the gospel, even though up until this point had predominantly been Jewish for Jews, in fact, Jesus says, I've come for uh, Jews, but it's not only, it's for the entire world, because Jesus said it's not going to stay in Jerusalem, it's then going to go to Judea, and then to Samaria, another country, and then to the ends of the earth. And so now here we have a non-Jew who couldn't even become a Jewish 
person religiously who has now become a follower of Jesus. Now, I'd like for us to actually go back, though, and look at verse 26 and verse 29, because that's what I'd like to focus on. It helps us understand why Luke includes this particular story. But in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, See that? Said to Philip. And then we also have in verse 29, the spirit told Philip. So here's my question. All throughout the book of Acts, we see God coming and speaking to people. Luke, Philip, happens to Peter, happens to Paul, happens to all kinds of folks all throughout. My question is, does God still speak clearly and personally today or is that necessary since we have scripture does God still speak to us clearly and personally today he did it all throughout the old testament and new testament but does he still do that today like is it just enough that we've got the bible and so that's really God's word for us and does God still then speak to us so I'm sitting there in church and I've offered God a new pulpit or a protection dog on the stage. He has not taken me up on my offer for either of those at that point. At least I didn't send so. And I'm sitting there like, all right, Lord, like something you need to say, I'm here. And I felt a voice, a word so clearly in my head, I knew instantly it was not something that came from my own thoughts and I heard God say, I want you to adopt Danelle. And it was like, there was no mistaking it. I, 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 I wasn't deciding to create some thought in my head like this came out of nowhere. And it was so clear. Now, uh, Danelle was a little boy that uh, he had been born four months premature, uh, had been in the hospital his first four months of his life. My parents had become his foster parents. Uh, because they had adopted his older half-sister. And they had just brought him home from the hospital. Now, I thought we might adopt at some point. That's, I mean, I grew up in a family. with I have a lot of adopted brothers and sisters. And I just thought, like, that would be a cool way to add uh, to our family. And so I, I thought that God would probably call us to do that at some point. But I had always told God, God, I will not... My mom uh, and dad had adopted a number of kids with... Um, medically fragile with like a lot of special needs, uh, um, physical needs, uh, um, uh, developmental disabilities, things like that. And I was like, God, I will adopt, but I not, not like a kid that needs a lot of stuff. Like I, I can't do it. Like I'm not like my parents are awesome. That's cool. But that's not me, Lord. I can't do that. Uh, so um, Danelle just came home from the hospital and he's got heart monitor, respiratory monitor, he's on a saturation monitor, he's on oxygen, uh, he's got all kinds of different medical issues that they're not sure what's going to happen at this point. Uh, he's got a, a, a J-tube, uh, which actually goes up into, through his nose and down into his stomach, and that's how he's being fed right now. He had already had one heart surgery, we didn't know if there's going to be others, we didn't know if there's going to be some eye stuff, and God says, I want you to adopt Danelle. So I started having this conversation. Now I know it's probably like you know, like I said, probably five seconds in real time, but it felt like ten minutes. So I'm like, but God, you don't you remember? We already got three kids. And, like, that, that's a lot of work already. And our kids are young, Lord. In fact, like, 
our youngest son at the time was only 11 months older than Donnell. And I'm like, that's really close, okay? They call those kids Irish twins, <laughs> you know? God, we got a lot, like there's a lot going on. And, uh, and, and, and God was like, I want you to adopt Danelle. So I, I said, God, remember what I told you, I'm willing to adopt, but like special needs, like that's my mom can handle that, but I don't know about me. He said, I want you to adopt Danelle. And so I, I, I say to him, all right, God, I, I'll do that. But I'm not telling Brenda you have to. <laughs> that's what I said to God. <laughs> Uh, I said, I'm not telling Brenda, you have to, and uh, our conversation ended, and the time ended, and I looked over at Brenda, and I said, did God say something? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, like, she's having the same conversation, like, she's listening to everything that's going on here, and she's like, oh, I don't know, like, uh, Brenda's a nurse, she's like, maybe I'm supposed to use my nursing skills, like, in the nursery or something in the church, I'm like, really? <laughs> like, you didn't say anything else? She's like, no, why? Did he say something to you? And I'm like, maybe, we can talk about it later. Now, normally, normally she would be like all over that. What? Like, what? What did he say? Did he say something? And she just let it go. Just totally let it go. Like, didn't say, like, didn't say, like, okay, we'll talk about it later. Like, just let it go. So I'm like, all right, Lord, like, I told her, I mean, I ain't telling her. Like, call me a chicken, I don't care, but I know how hard it is. Uh, to be a mother to three children and then to think about adding a fourth and I know that she feels overwhelmed at times and uh, I'm like, you got to tell her. So a uh, week goes by, nothing. I go off on a missions trip to uh, Poland. I was leading a group of high school students over to Poland. Jordan was actually with me at the time. We're over there, we have the trip. It's uh, around our 10-year anniversary and so for our 10-year anniversary, we decided that Brenda was gonna fly over. She had never been on this missions trip before just because we had kids and I'd been there a number of times. So she flew over and got to spend a little bit of time at the very end of the camp, like the last day. And then we were gonna go to Krakow. I was gonna send all the students home with Jordan and the other leaders and Brenda and I were gonna spend a few days in Krakow and then a few days in Prague, okay? Celebrate our 10-year anniversary. It was gonna be wonderful. My folks had taken uh, our three kids at the time. And so they're there and Brenda comes and we're sitting in this little cute cafe right on the square in Krakow. It's beautiful, picturesque. And we're talking about, you know, our, our kind of what, what had happened the last couple of weeks before she came. And she shares with me the story about what happened to uh, her brother had come and visited and they had seen Danelle. And her sister-in-law was like, oh, he's so cute. Like, I wish we lived in Michigan. We would adopt him. And Brenda's like, I got this weird, like, uh, competitive thing that just kind of sprung up in me. Like, well, you should be adopting him. We should be adopting him. And my face went white. <laughs> okay? Like, literally, she, she knew instantly, like, she had said something. She had no idea what she had just said, but she had said something. And I looked at her and I said, do you remember on Father's Day the message I said, God told me we were supposed to adopt Danelle. And she, she just at the time was like, nope. Like, no, like I can't, like it's too much. I can't do that. We have three little kids. He has way too many needs. Like we, we can't do that. And we started talking and I think she might've even gotten uh, teary-eyed that evening. And um, I said, well, you know, let's, let's talk about it later. Because it was obvious she didn't want to talk about it anymore that night. So the next day, I kind of bring it up again, and she's like, uh, nope, that God wouldn't ask us to do that. It's too much, too tough. So then I go back, and I say about four days later, hey, maybe we should take a day and fast and pray about it. And she's like, 
uh, okay, you can do that. So we do that. We come back together. We, we talk, and I'm like, I, I know at this point. Like, this, to now at this point, like, there is no doubt in my mind. And she's like, nope, I still don't think so. And I'm like, God, I, like, I think I'm wussing out on you here because I know you've said we're supposed to do this. And I know that what she's, why she's saying no is simply fear. And God, you've made it abundantly clear, but God, I told you, you have to tell her, not me. So I don't know if I was being just a punk and I wasn't really obeying God or not, but I let it go. And it was about five days later, no, four days later, we were on vacation as a family. And uh, the kids were down for naps, which meant that daddy was down for a nap too. And Brenda was spending some time with God and she just said, God, I think she's maybe washing the dishes or something. She said, God, you feel so distant from me right now. You feel so distant. And she said it was like almost like an audible voice, like it was so clear and so loud that she almost like turned around to see. And God said, it's because you're not obeying me. And instantly she knew what it was. She knew what God had been saying. And I don't know if she woke me up from my nap or if when I woke up she came and she started crying and she said, we're supposed to adopt Danelle, who is now our little Max. And we went home and told my parents, you see, if you ask me, does God still speak clearly to us today, I will tell you that I know that he does because I've experienced it. And I will tell you that not only does God speak to me, but God wants to speak to every single one of us. And what I'd like to do this morning in the small amount of time that we have left is I'd like to actually spend a little bit of time just looking at scripture to show how much God loves us, how much he cares for us, how passionately he desires to interact with us. You see, God is a person, and people have voices. And if we're willing to slow down long enough to listen to his voice, we'll begin to recognize that God speaks, and that he wants us to be in a relationship where not only do we communicate with him, but he communicates with us as well. Now, I will tell you that this was not something that I've always practiced because I kind of grew up thinking, well, God gave me the Bible and he gave me some common sense, right? Like I got my human wisdom and that's what I'm supposed to use to kind of understand what God's will is because I know there's certain things God wouldn't call me to, all right? It would definitely be God's preference that I not sell drugs. Like, I didn't have to pray, like, Lord, is that your will, okay? It's not his preference that I start a militia, okay? Not his preference that I become an exotic dancer. It's probably no one's preference in the entire universe. <laughs> there are certain things that I knew, but I kind of thought that as long as I just made decisions that were, you know, not something sinful or wrong, that, like, God was just cool with whatever. I don't believe that anymore. I actually believe that God loves me so much that he wants to interact with me. And not that he wants me to be like, you know, frozen on every single decision. Like, Lord, should I use cash or credit today? You know, you know, you know like, you know, should I go left or right on my way to Starbucks? You know, like, I, it's not that, but I, but I do believe that just as you have a parent that wants to interact with you when you need advice, God wants to do the same with us if we're willing to put in the time of building the relationship, to recognizing what his voice actually sounds like. So God has communicated with his people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and throughout all of church history. And I believe that God wants to communicate with you and I here at TLC. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. 
Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Look, God says, you know how to give good gifts to your kid. If your kid came to you and said, hey, I'm looking at these two cars. Which one do you think I should buy? You as a human. And God says, even though you're evil, <laughs> you're still not going to mess with them. You're not going to be like, well, I know that one's going to break down and it's got a history of being, you know, a terrible car and I'm going to tell my kid to buy that one, right? You're going to be like, no, I, you know what? That's kind of cool, but uh, Dodge Shelby Charger Turbo probably won't last beyond about 80,000 miles. My parents probably tried to talk me out of buying my first car, but it was a Dodge Shelby Charger Turbo! And it didn't last past 80,000 miles! God wants to interact with us, right? Because he's a good father. James chapter 1, the same James that I was talking about a little bit earlier. He says this in verse 5. If we lack wisdom, we should ask God, and God gives generously to all without finding fault. Now, this is within the context of what to do when you're facing trials, how to persevere in the middle of trials. But the same God that wants to help you understand how to persevere through trials also wants to give you wisdom in all kinds of situations. If we're willing to come to him and say, God, I really need your help here. I'll tell you, this has been put to the test for us as we've started thinking about where the next place that we're going to meet is. I don't know if God's revealed it yet. And I'm like, God, we got two months. Like, less than two months now. And I don't know how long it takes to figure out, like, where you're going to put your kids' ministry and what kind of signage you need and what kind of things do you need to get together to actually make the space work. Uh, what about for, like, stuff we might need if we don't have chairs? We're going to have to buy, like, what are we going to, like, God, you got to give us something now what it feels like to me at least and our heart is to be well we are for the city and we would love to be in the city now that doesn't mean that we want to be anywhere in the city but that is our heart so we're like god what where is that place so we looked at two places just this past week one is uh turnkey a church that uh, wound up merging with another church it's like built in 2004 like it's not that old i mean we're talking a little bit of paint and that thing is like ready to go but it's about three miles east of here which is away from the city and we'd rather be going two or three miles west of here into the city there's another one that's down near kentwood and it's an older place and would need a lot of work but could be something and doesn't feel like it's the right space for us and both of them are like they're we, we would purchase the building not just rent the building they're for sale not for rent and it feels like if you buy something you're not in there for like two years until you find the right space right you buy something you're in it for a while so we're like god what do we do and i want to just make a decision and go and i felt like god through this past week has been saying will you do you trust me do you think I'm a good dad who knows how to give good gifts to his kids who ask? 
Will you trust and will you wait? Will you be patient and allow me to confirm, allow me to speak? And I'm telling you guys, like, it's easy to preach it. It's way harder to live it sometimes. But that's what we're attempting to do. So, if your parents would give you clear, honest advice about buying a car, don't you think God might as well? Now, the question then comes, how does God speak? How does God speak to us? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a laundry list, and I'm going to actually go really quick because I want to get to more of an application question. Uh, but before we do that, I simply want to play um, two audio clips, and I want to see if you can tell me who these people are. Let's go ahead and do the first one, Daryl. But I, I'm pretty, uh, pretty sure I, I've got better moves than Giuliani. Barack Obama, right? Oh, boom. Easy, right? Okay, next one. In my state of the, my state of the union, or state, my speech to the nation, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Who's that? W, right? Bush. How do you guys know those voices by hearing a really poor quality audio file and not seeing their faces? What's that? Yeah. You've heard it a bunch of times, right? You recognize the voice because you've heard it a bunch of times. Same reason that if your mom was standing outside and yelled your name, Tori Christopher Scott. <laughs> now I can't. <coughs> She's right there, actually. <laughs> she doesn't sound like that. Maybe a little. But if she, like, I would know, right? I would know instantly. That's my mom without even seeing her, right? And you would know that, too especially if she dropped your middle name, <laughs> right? You would know instantly, like, that's my mom. Why? Because you've spent so much time listening to her, right? And when you're around somebody, you begin to know what their voice sounds like. And not just what their voice sounds like, but you begin to recognize the types of things that they say. So that when someone else says something, you're like, that's exactly what my mom would say. God's the same way. The more that we spend time with him, the more that we engage with him, the more we begin to recognize what his voice sounds like. Not only what his voice sounds like, but the types of things he says. There's a whole host of ways that God speaks to us, and I'm going to throw these up on the screen, and if you're a fast note taker, you can take some notes, but there's going to be some other stuff that I want to get to. So if you look at it, you'll see that God speaks to us, number one, through his word. That's the most important way that God speaks to us. But he also speaks to us through his spirit, which I would say the spirit is equally important, possibly more. However, recognizing the spirit's voice versus your own voice is one of those things that takes practice. Number three, his community. So the church, godly friends, those that God has put in spiritual authority over you, those are another way that God will often speak to us. Number four, through prayer and silence, when we're willing to sit and listen to God. Not just have our laundry list of this, this, that, and the other. Number five, circumstances. Now, this can be tricky, right? Because sometimes we can interpret circumstances about any way that we want to. However, paying attention to circumstances is important because God will often do that. Look, if you fill out a college application to ten schools and only one of them accepts you, that might be God's way of saying that's the school. <laughs> it's your only choice. Human wisdom. Again, this one can be tricky, right? Because so often, 
uh, we can deceive ourselves into believing that what we want is actually what God wants for us or what would be best for us. But let's not think that God never uses human wisdom. Of course he does. Of course God has given us common sense. And there are ways that God often speaks to that. Visions and dreams. This still happens. Now I will say that we often hear more stories about this happening in parts of the world where the church is not present. I think that that's on purpose because quite honestly the testimony of the church ought to be a more powerful testimony than even a dream or a vision, a group of people whose lives have been radically transformed and who are sacrificially loving and serving others. That is a way more powerful, right? People were alive when Jesus died and resurrected and still didn't believe. Just seeing somebody raised from the dead, which would be pretty awesome, but that wasn't a foolproof way to get someone to believe in Jesus. Scripture actually says that the church is intended to be a more powerful witness, but God still uses dreams and visions. And you ought to be paying attention to times when you sense something, a dream or vision that is completely not something that you would have thought. Uh, Passions and peace. Okay, this is actually a way that um, Allison, who was just on stage, she's on staff with us, uh, Allie became a part of our launch team. And after being a part of our launch team for a while, uh, we saw some of the gifts that she had for administration and her passion for the Lord. And so we came down and said, hey, Allie, would you be interested in a part-time administrative position at, here at TLC? And she was like on it, like, oh my goodness, this sounds amazing. It's what she studied in school. But we only had uh, uh, resources for a part-time position. Our church is not old enough, it's not large enough, it's not complex enough to to need a full-time position in that right now. And we knew that Allie was going to graduate and she's going to need a full-time job. So we started praying, like, God, give her a job in Grand Rapids where she can do that and then still work with us. But that's not what God had. God wound up giving her a job in Houston. And so in a couple, what is it, a month and a half, Allie's going to be heading to Houston. Now, one of the ways that she began to wrestle with, God, is this really from you? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Was her passions. It's a Christian nonprofit agency that works with human trafficking. Allie's passionate about that and wants to use the gifts that God has given her to then serve uh, a nonprofit. And so she started praying, like, but God, this is going to take me away from everything that I know and love. And she's like, she, she, I know she loves this church. She wants to be a part of this church. She's for this place. She, she loves Grand Rapids. She's like, man, I don't want to leave this. And yet, as she prayed and saw her passion being connected to this opportunity in Houston, it was like, felt like such a good fit. So then she started saying, God, am I supposed to do this? Will you give me peace? Right? Because a lot of times you'll start to go down a road and all of a sudden you feel like, man, I just, I just don't know. And yet God kept giving her peace like, hey, this is the time to do this. And so God wound up speaking to her through her passions and peace. There's a number of other ways as well, but those are some of the main ways that God often speaks to us. Have you guys ever heard of the Rosetta Stone? Okay, the Rosetta Stone, uh, I think there's a, yep, that's a picture of it. So on the very top of it, uh, you have Egyptian hieroglyphics. Now, until they found the Rosetta Stone, we, they had, uh, archaeologists had seen hieroglyphics for centuries, but had no idea how to read them, Okay. Uh, we didn't have, no, it wasn't a known language anymore, and so even though they found them, they had no idea how to read them until they found the Rosetta Stone. You see, the Rosetta Stone, found in the uh, 18th century, actually had not only Egyptian hieroglyphics, but also Greek demotic. 
And the Greek demotic was written underneath, and they did know how to read Greek demotic. And so because they could read Greek demotic, they were then able, not demonic, okay, demotic with a T. Uh, the Greek demotic helped them to understand what is above in the Egyptian hieroglyphics. And they began to understand how to read Egyptian hieroglyphics. Now, have you ever heard of the Rosetta Stone software? You've heard of that? Okay. So the Rosetta Stone software, software is to help you learn a language, all right? And it works in kind of the same way. What it does is it uses the known to decipher the unknown. Now, it does this through voice recognition software, okay? That's how it does it. So whenever you turn it on, the software asks you to put on a headset, and you count from one to five. And it captures your voice all right, begins to recognize the user's voice and then is able to compare that, the patterns of speech and intonation and inflection and all that, with the language that you're trying to learn. All right? The key to recognizing Jesus' distinctive voice, the distinctive voice of God, is to train our minds to recognize his known patterns of communication. The more, just like the Rosetta Stone software does, it gets to know your voice and then it can connect it, the same way is to get to know Jesus' voice is by recognizing and learning what his kind of known patterns of communication are. So we do that through the Bible we talked about. That's the main way. If you want to know what God sounds like, you have to be in the Bible. And the second way is other people's testimony and experience. Now, the first one is crucial, all right? You can't get away from that one. Uh, it's essential. The second one uh, is good to learn from, but... Engaging with God's word is always going to be the best way to see what does he sound like. So I want to give you a few principles because i got to wrap this up. Let me give you just a couple of principles on how to discern if it might be God's will, if it might be something that God is saying to you. You ready for this? Number one, God will always call us to trust him more. All right? So if some crazy thought pops into your mind, and it's going to force you to trust God more, there's a very good chance that, that is actually God. That's one of the patterns of his speech. God will always call us to trust him more. Number two, God tells us to humbly and sacrificially love others. So if something pops into your mind that God's, you hear something and you're like, I'm supposed to go serve my neighbor or take care of the widow who lives next door to me or the, the, the single mom who needs some help with their kids or whatever that, all right, that would sound like something that would be coming from God. That would be a pattern of God's speaking, okay? So if you're trying to discern if it's really God's voice, God always calls us to trust him more. God always tells us to humbly and sacrificially love others. Number three, God always supports his social structures, Okay, marriage, government, church, and family. These are not things that man came up with. These are structures that God created. And if you think that God is telling you to do something against one of those structures, okay, then you're going to have to ask some real hard questions. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not a time and a place where we are supposed to, obviously, we always follow, so I'm thinking of government specifically here, we're always supposed to follow God's word over any human authority, okay? But if they're not going against God's word, then we're supposed to be supporting and praying for, all right? Especially when it comes to things like marriage, okay? Sometimes I'll hear people say, like, ah, I, just, I just don't feel in love anymore. I think God's cool with me kind of walking away from this. I'd be like, that doesn't sound like God's voice to me because God is always on the side 
of his social structures. Number four, God does not work through confusion or fear. God does not work through confusion or fear. So if you've got all kinds of different voices, this is one of the things that we're wrestling with, with these two church opportunities. Nobody's really like, everybody's on board with one. And it's like, yes, this is definitely it. And I'm like, but God, I really wish that you would do that so that we didn't have to like go through this and we could just land on one. And yet I sense that God is saying, that's not me. You're not hearing my voice yet. So we're like, all right, Lord. And it's certainly not fear. That's a hard one though, isn't it? The last one. God will often say unexpected or mysterious things. Unexpected or mysterious things. Uh, This is a crazy story um, but it's in, a, it's in a book that's written by a guy who actually lives in Michigan uh, I've actually talked to uh, it was either the father of the guy who wrote it but I thought the story was so crazy it sounds like an urban legend okay because usually urban legends you know you, somebody stole your kidneys and you wake up in a bathtub of ice and you know like urban legends always sound a certain way well this one sounds like that but there was a lady who was uh, driving home from work, and uh, she felt like God say to her, go to the 7-Eleven, go to the pop machine, and stand on your head. That's weird. Let's be honest. Like, that, like I would, that does not sound like the pattern of God's voice to me, okay? So she's driving, and she's like, mm, that's weird. And she just keeps driving. And she knows what the 7-Eleven is because it's actually on her way home. And she pulls up to a stoplight and she feels this prompting again. Pull into the 7-Eleven, go to the pot machine, stand on your head. That's just too weird. So she keeps driving and 7-Eleven is coming up and she can't get the prompting out of her head. But she's like, no way, like that, that's not God. Like that's just, that's just crazy talk. So she dri- drives past. And after she drives past, again, so strongly, go to the 7-Eleven, go to the pop machine, stand on your head. So she finally says, fine. Turns the car around, goes back to the 7-Eleven, pulls in, walks in, and looks around. Thank you, Lord, there is nobody here. (laughs) She then walks back to the pop machine, still looking around and stands on her head, comes back down, and as she comes down, she sees it's just the store clerk who's behind the counter, and he's looking at her funny. And she tries not to make eye contact because she's like, this is the weirdest, dumbest, like that was obviously not from God. I don't know what happened there. And she starts walking out as quickly as she can, and he stops her. Ma'am, ma'am, why did you just do that? What are you going to say? <laughs> right? God told me to come to 7-Eleven, go to the pop machine, and stand on my head. She's like, I, I, I don't, I, I just felt like I was supposed to, she says. And he says, he says, ma'am, I was contemplating killing myself this afternoon. And I just said, God, if you're real, send someone in here and make them stand on their head. I told you, it sounds crazy, right? Like that story to me sounds like, really, that sounds like an urban legend. But I actually went and researched, I have the book sitting on my shelf at home. 
the guy who actually spoke to the lady. Look, sometimes God will ask you to do things that don't make sense. It will be pretty rare that God tells you to go to 7-Eleven, stand on your head and run next to the pop machine, okay? That's probably not. But there will be times that God will ask you to do things that don't make sense. And they might not even make sense in this life. And yet the more that you begin to recognize what his voice sounds like and the pattern of speech that he uses, the more that you're willing to sit and actually listen and say, God, I want to hear you. If you will do that, I promise you, God is a God who wants to interact with you and speak to you. And the more that you obey his voice, the more you will begin to see how he is talking and what he is saying, and it will absolutely revolutionize your life. And so what I'd like for us to do right now is we're just going to have 30 seconds. I just want you to close your eyes. If you're willing, just take your palms and place them palms forward, palms up, I should say. And we're just going to sit and say, God, if there's anything you want to say, I'm here to listen right now. 30 seconds. God, if there's anything you want to say, I'm here to listen right now. Jesus, we believe that you speak because you love us and you care about us and you know what's best for us. And so, God, would you give us ears to hear? God, would you help us to recognize your voice? And God, not just recognize it, but be obedient to it. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your care for us. That you never leave us nor forsake us. That you give us wisdom without finding fault <laughs> to anyone who asks regardless of how good we've been at obeying you in the past or listening to you in the past, you offer wisdom to all without finding fault. Thank you. God, would you do that for us as a church? God, we, we care about where we're going to meet together, what space it will be, what it communicates to the community, what it communicates to believers, what it communicates to those who are far from you, and God, we, we don't want to mess it up. I, I guess in many ways we probably can't, but God, I know we want to be obedient. So would you help us? Help us hear your voice and trust your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, thank you so much. Um, if you want to learn more about what it looks like to listen to God's voice, a lot of what I, what I taught today actually came out of a book that Jim wrote. Uh, it's called God Told Me, okay? Uh, and then the subtitle, it gets God Told Me, uh, who to marry, where to work, what car to drive, and I don't think I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, so it's actually really, really good. It dives into some stuff a little bit more. You can get it at Baker or on Amazon or God Told Me. Uh, it, it's, it's really, really good, and, I, and I'd encourage you. But let's just be a church that is going to continue to try to listen to God's voice. I love you guys so much. I dig you. And I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your fourth weekend. And we'll see you guys next Sunday. Thanks, guys.